This is the Edisto TV podcast, connecting the Blackwater region. Welcome. This is episode 31 of the Edisto TV podcast. I'm Hugo. And I'm Tom. And for this week, we've got an interview where we spoke to Carol Bass from down on Edisto Island. Carol is an artist, an activist, and a champion of South Carolina rivers. And uh, she is putting together right now an anthology of Southern literature and art called Our Sacred Rivers. And uh, she is planning, I think, on giving the proceeds from that to uh, River Causes. Is that correct, Tom? I do believe so. And she's also planning on giving one to uh, each legislator. Yeah, um, as an as an outreach tool. And uh, Carol, very early on with Edisto Concerns, was sending us messages and, and, and very interested in and excited about the possibilities of helping make a positive change. She's a great lady. We spoke to her for the podcast, and then I saw her actually uh, up at Rivers Lobby Day over in Columbia that we've talked about in a minute. So uh, we're looking forward to that interview with Carol. But first, let's talk a little bit about what's new, Tom. Well, what's going on? Uh, definitely a lot of uh, conversation about the most endangered river listing, which is what we talked about last podcast. Um, the River Lobby Day had a lot of activity around that. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Lobby Day? I was not available. Yeah, well, we had the uh, River Lobby Day at the State House. That was on April the 14th. And um, usually they have the Conservation Lobby Day, but River Lobby Day, they added it this year because of the high profile that this Surface Water Withdrawal Act issue has been generating. And it was very successful. We had probably 25, 30 people up at the State House. Um, Representative James Smith came out and had a little press announcement that he had uh, requested formally a hearing on his bill from the Agriculture Committee Chairman David Hyatt. And uh, because of the parliamentary procedure stuff, they are now going to set a hearing for that. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast a little bit. Um, Also, in addition to the press conference, or actually at the press conference, Garrett Yobsis, who spoke to us on the last podcast, was there and uh, made some announcements about what the American Rivers listing of the Edisto for the second straight year uh, means and and why it's important. Um, I was there on hand. I did shoot some video. We'll get that edited and we'll get it up and provide a link uh, to it where it ends up on YouTube here in the next few days. So I thought River Lobby Day was very successful. We spoke to a lot of our representatives. Uh, We did not lobby the Senate particularly because the current legislative action is in the House. Uh, but we spoke to Chairman Hyatt. We spoke to a lot of the people from the Aiken County delegation about Edisto River stuff because, of course, I live in Aiken County. And um, in general, I felt like River Lobby Day went very well. And then, of course, we backed it up with uh, something else the next day, back on your What's New list there. Conservation uh, uh, Lobby Day. Absolutely. So this is the Conservation Coalition, which Edisto TV is, is now a part of, which involves a number of other conservation groups. And um, what was the main thrust? Uh, on that day? Well, um, the lobbyists who work for Conservation Voters of South Carolina and the Sierra Club and so forth all all kind of worked together on on the lobby day. It was a similar thing. Um, We went and were recognized in the um, balcony of of the House chamber by by the folks on the floor, and then we had the opportunity to uh, call our legislators out into the lobby and actually speak to them about issues of importance um, on the conservation agenda, it wasn't just river stuff. Um, I suggest that we uh, provide a link to some of the conservation 
coalition's agenda items for Conservation Lobby Day, so I don't misrepresent them. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have to say that the river stuff was a big part of that conversation uh, for Lobby Day. I actually did not make it to the session at the House on the 15th, but I did manage to make it over to Columbia for their oyster roast. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how was the ro- oyster roast? The oyster roast was great. Saw some folks. Uh, Harry Sheely was there um, from the USC Aiken um, Department of, I think, Biology. He's a botanist. Uh, worked with Harry years ago on the campaign to save Hitchcock Woods. And Harry is engaged with the uh, river issue, and uh, we talked about it and, and had a good conversation. Also managed to finally meet face-to-face with Tanya, the Savannah Riverkeeper. And uh, Savannah Riverkeeper has now joined our South Carolina Rivers Forever uh, group on behalf of the Savannah Riverkeepers. So um, the the river that runs down the whole edge of South Carolina there, their river keeper is with us in trying to preserve South Carolina's rivers. Very nice. I'll also mention another new uh, member of South Carolina Rivers Forever, which is the uh, Edisto Island Preservation Alliance. Uh, they've come on board as uh, members of South Carolina Rivers Forever. Yeah, I believe Bud Skidmore came up and did the uh, lobby day with us from that group, didn't he? I, I believe that's correct, but if I have attached you to the uh, wrong organization, I apologize, but I think I got that right. Um, it was it was a couple of weeks full of events. We also had the uh, Friends of the Edisto's third annual Smoke on the Water. Yes, yeah, so did you did you paddle down with Jerry Bell and the group from Bamberg? I did. We um, had some kind of rough-looking weather forecast uh, for, for the day of the event, but we got very lucky. I drove down in a light rain to zigzag and met the group, but from the time we put on to the time we got off, didn't see a drop of rain. It was a nice, I think about a two, two and a half hour paddle down from zigzag to the side of smoke on the water and uh, had a great time there with the folks from Fred, some great barbecue. Uh, once again, the weather really didn't help with attendance, but they did have you know music and they had food. They had a bouncy castle for the kids. And um, we got some Fred members out there, and I think we made some good contacts and uh, did have a chance to paddle with our friends uh, out on the river. So all in all, it was a good day for me. Yeah, I'm glad it turned out okay. It looked like it was going to be rainy. I know a lot of people were concerned about showing, uh, getting down there and it be real rainy. Yeah, well, we did, you know, it got started about 3 o'clock, and about 5 o'clock it looked like there was a band of fairly heavy weather coming in. And in fact, Aiken ended up having some, some wind damage from that storm system as it came through. Um, but uh, so about 5 o'clock, it looked like it was pretty much time to wrap it up so that we didn't all get rained on. So it was uh, maybe a little weather-shortened uh, third annual smoke on the water, okay, but so, a great event. So two days of lobbying wasn't enough. You need to go back for some more, right? Um, absolutely. Um, traditionally, the Sierra Club of South Carolina has their lobby day on Earth Day, which was April 22nd. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday the 23rd, so that was yesterday. And uh, one of the people who paddled down from Zigzag with me for Smoke on the Water was Chris Hall, who is one of the fundraising chairs for the state Sierra Club organization. And Chris mentioned that uh, he thought it would be great if I could come out for that, so I did go over and spend some time in the house lobby uh, with the folks from the Sierra Club there. Uh, Susan Corbett, the president, and Chris Hall, and Bob Guild, and, you know, the whole Sierra Club gang was there, and... Again, they were very generous in spending some of their precious time talking to their legislators, talking about the river issue and the water issue. 
And, you know, they have been great in standing with us on this, and I, I felt an obligation to go over and stand with them on, the, on their lobby day. And it was a pleasure to do that. Very good. What else is new online, Tom? Well, um, two articles that got a lot of attention, uh, both from the uh, Post and Courier. One was an opinion piece where uh, they came out and said, you know, basically spoke out on the surface water law and said it's time to, uh, I'll, I'll just quote it, it's time to expand reasonable safeguards to better preserve South Carolina's freshwater long before that life-giving resource starts to run dry. So kind of echoing what Mr. Uh, Representative Smith said the other day, which is, you're going to pass something like this. It's just, are you going to wait for a crisis? Yeah, and I do think it's worth mentioning here that you remember last year when there was the listing of the South Fork of the Edisto uh, by American Rivers. The Post and Courier actually ran an editorial that I found really disappointing then that said that there really wasn't any reason for immediate concern about the surface water issue and that there had been a settlement between friends of the Edisto and the people at the potato farm and that this was, was you know, overblown concern. And, and I think it's really a heartening note to see that in the course of the year between the listing of the South Fork on April 7th of last year mm-hmm. and the listing of the entire Edisto on April 7th this year, the Post and Courier has done the background work and now understands the issue and, in my opinion, has come down on the right side of the issue with this yeah, editorial. Most people that actually study the facts usually come down on the right side of this issue. There's very few people that really look at the facts and then honestly say, oh, let's leave everything how it is. Nobody does that. Yeah, so we really appreciate the Post and Courier piece, and uh, it does give us some hope for the future. Yeah, but the other one that got a lot of attention, I posted uh, about Pinewood. So Pinewood is this uh, mine. I may get some of the facts wrong here, but I think general idea. It was designed as a kitty litter mine, and then a guy from DHEC who saw changes coming uh, you know, to this law somehow got involved in it, and anyway, they ended up converting it to a toxic waste dump right before the leg- the uh, regulations changed. And then they they ended up with this toxic waste dump, and then eventually it leaked and all this, and then all the people who were responsible basically disappeared, you know, got went bankrupt and all that. And so the state of South Carolina now is on the hook for at least $4 million a, a year just to keep this thing, you know, from, from leaking into the lakes and the rivers. Yeah, and and really, you know, it's hope that they're going to keep it from leaking, but most of that four million is just monitoring to see if it's leaking. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think they had requested maybe some money to fix some of this stuff, but I mean, it is really nasty stuff. Whatever's in there, and you know, it's definitely going to have an effect at some point, or most likely will. So anyway, the point is, it's it's. I I posted because I think it's a good example of what happens. Like they said, when it switched from going to a kitty litter mine to a toxic waste dump. There was no public notice. So that's the kind of thing that happens when you don't have transparency in government, when, when the government can just change things around, move things around, and nobody's notified. So that's why the surface water issue is such a big deal, because public notice is important. Yeah, and, you know, Pinewood, it's been going on for years. Bob Guild was one of the attorneys who was representing the conservation side in the initial Pinewood litigation, and when this came back up, he, he, I, he told me that he was hoping he'd never have to deal with Pinewood again. He thought it was done. But because there has been a problem with the money to do the ongoing maintenance and, and all these guys. Yeah, it, they it, have these custodians that come in and they're supposed to do things and then they don't follow procedures and they have to replace it and it's more money. It's just one 
mess after another, and you know the state is holding the bag. Every one of us is taxpayers. Right. Um, I will say I think that um, the Sierra Club actually has information on the Pinewood issue because Bob is one of the attorneys who works with the Sierra Club. I'll try to get a link up Um, there. We'll get a link up there because it's a real complicated and, like I say at this point, 30-plus year-long story, and we don't want to pretend to be experts on Pinewood. Uh, but we, we we will put up links where if you're interested you can go and check it out. But as Tom says, boy, you wonder why you need transparency in government. You look at the Pinewood story and you begin to see why it's something that's important to us. That's right. Um, so I think that that's probably enough. What's new for uh, episode 31 here? So let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Carol Bass, Tom. Um, Carol, like I say, I first became aware of her because she was getting in touch with us through the Edisto Concerns uh, Facebook page months ago, as the uh, Edisto uh, was facing the threat of the water withdrawal from the Walther Farms uh, original um, registration. And she she has a very unique and energetic presence, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, absolutely. She does some great art, like kind of modern art, you know. She says that the rivers inspire her uh, art, and I, I love it. I think it's really nice. It's very bright. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's hear Carol. All right, here's Carol Bass. Well, tell us about your book project. I think that's that's the main thing that I thought we wanted to talk about, but if there's anything else, we can talk about that too. But uh, interested in hearing about your book project. Well, the book project, um, I just, when I, uh, we moved, I was born in Bamberg, South Carolina, and, and I went to the University of Georgia, but then I moved to Maine for 40 years. That was a long time in Maine. So then I come back here. We've been here for two years, and it was about the time that the potato farm came in on the Edisto, um, and I got really wrapped up in that and um, and was kind of incredulous what was going on. And then I started thinking about, at the same time, I was reading Terry Tempest Williams, When Women Were Birds. That's the name of the book. And she was talking about what she went through when she was addressing Congress in Washington, D.C., regarding saving tracts of land. She was trying to to get some um, land saved in Utah. And the people in Congress didn't pay any attention to her. Um, They were ruffling papers and falling asleep. And so then she went home to Utah, and kind of the same thing was happening to her. And then she got with a writer that said, you're just one voice. Um, You need more people, more writers. And they got together and published a book um, of pretty well-known Western writers. And this publication was a little bit like um, Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. And um, and eventually, millions upon millions were, of acres were saved in Utah. I mean, I'm not saying that this was, but I think this book was had a lot to do with it. So I thought, oh my gosh, what can you know one person do, especially an artist down here, a kind of a crazy artist? Um, what can she do? And I I knew that I knew a lot of writers and a lot of artists, and I thought okay, let's just do an anthology, and um, and it's an evocative, it's going to be an evocative presentation um, so that it really kind of hits to the heart of the matter, um, and I don't think there, I don't know that there are any in the arts community in Charleston or surrounding areas that are doing this. I mean, we've heard from the farmers, 
And I thought, well, okay, this is something I can do. Um, and uh, so that's how it started. That's how it started. Um, then I went to I went to the Poetry Society of South Carolina, um, and they were very welcoming and gave me many suggestions of poets. Um, then I started going to some artists that were pretty well known around Charleston, and they are um, contributing things. But I also went to people like um, John Lane, who you probably know. I don't know if you do know John Lane who lives up in Spartanburg, but who's paddled all the rivers in South Carolina. I went to Tom Blagden and Barry Beasley, who wrote a book called The South Carolina, The Rivers of South Carolina. Um, and I also uh, found a man named Franklin Burroughs, who grew up on the Wadmalaw, and who's actually in Maine, um, and who I didn't know in Maine, but, but now I know him in South Carolina. And uh, he's written a beautiful, beautiful essay for this book. Um, so I'm very excited about the people who are contributing um, with this publication. And I, I think I'm, I don't know, I, I'm naive, probably by nature, but I'm going to give every lawmaker and every Supreme Court judge a copy of this book. Um, and so that I hope that um, it will spur them on to um, finalizing some laws on our on our rivers. So that's my whole reason for this book. Well, thank you. We uh, we hear your cry. We're, we sound like uh, compatriots. <laughs> uh, sounds like well, we're on I, the same uh, team here, fighting for the same thing. Uh, very concerned I, about the rivers. Very concerned, and I, I just think every voice needs to be heard on this, and you guys are doing such an amazing job, um, and it gets me excited, you know, to listen to what you are doing, um, and then I'm thinking about, what about um, playwrights, what about composers, what about people writing music about this, you know, and naming it, um, the Edisto, the Edisto Symphony. Um, I'm, I think there's a lot more that you know people to hear from. I think you guys are going to hear from a lot more people. But um, well, you asked me about my art previously, and I think my art has a lot to do with the energy of the the river, the way the river flows, the energy um, from the river. Um, so that inspires me a lot, um, and. Um, I just think and dance. I think there's a, you know people that are dance companies, um, the theater companies, um, pure theater. I just think there's so much more that can be done about this, and I, <clears throat> I'm I'm just surprised that it seems like one person in South Carolina uh, can make this decision for all of the people in South Carolina, which is incredulous to me. So. Um, it's, it was very different in Maine. The, this, the citizens in Maine could get together and initiate um, a, a referendum, and that's something that they wanted to see as law, and then we would put it on the ballot, and everybody could vote on it, which is very different down here in South Carolina. So um, 
I just think the only way that we can change anything is by hearing from everybody. So, therefore, that's what, that's what I'm doing. Well, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, I think when we started out, uh, as Hugo tell you, like with the podcast, you know, we started last May and, and we kept yeah. asking, now who's going to listen? <laughs> well, maybe nobody, but we're going to talk anyway. And eventually maybe somebody would listen and then maybe they'll tell yeah. a friend. And um, yeah. so that's kind of all you can do. You know, who reads poetry, who looks at art? Well, the people that do, at least they'll hear your voice uh, talking about your Black River. Totally. Yes, yes. And I did grow up uh, on the summers in the Edist- on the Edisto. I was in Bamberg, so um, it's just very dear to my heart. And I, I know the situation of water in the whole world, and it's very frightening. Um, what's happening in Brazil right now, you know? And and I just think that South Carolina, the the gift that we have in South Carolina, is very unlike anywhere else in the United States. And so um, to give our water away, to sell our water, is just, it's just beyond me, um, totally beyond me. So um, that's, I, I'm just wondering what, so we get billions of dollars into the state. Um, I'm thinking about Thoreau. One of Thoreau's quotes is that, um, you know, what good is a, is a fine house if we don't have tolerable land to put it on. Um, and I think that kind of goes with all this. What good is the money that we're getting in from all these farmers if we don't have, if we don't have the rivers um, to go and, and go fishing on, go boating on, on the weekends? Um, so it's just, it's just frightening for me. Well, we are with you 100%. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm guessing that Hugo's on mute right now, but um, I'm gonna give him a chance to ask you a question or two. And also, he might want to share with you. Uh, we do have another project going on with some musicians who are actually doing oh, a similar really? thing, and they're actually. Um, it's a group uh, out of, over there in Allendale. That's uh, they're they're bringing artists together to t- write songs and things about our rivers and you know, kind of lend another voice to say, hey, we have a problem. Hey, that gives me chill bumps to know about that. Hugo, you want to comment? Go ahead. I I will. Um, Carol, we really appreciate your getting involved in this. I I was kind of laughing. I was on mute um, when you were talking before about, you know, sort of getting a lot of different voices and a different modes of expression engaged in this. Because before any of the potato farming stuff came up, you know, I live here on the North Fork, and I've been working on a documentary about the Edisto since, well, about five years now. And so as part of that, I had been talking to people about music. And when all of this started to happen, the movie plan kind of changed from what I originally envisioned to something a bit more topical. And so the the music thing has been sort of on hold until we figured out what we were doing. But the past couple of months, I've been working with friends of mine in Colombia who have a good collaborative uh, sort of relationship with Danielle Howell and the people from the Swamp Sessions over there in Onondaga Green. They do the uh, sort of unplugged musical creation right. in the swamp. 
And so my friends over in Columbia are working with them to hopefully put together an album related to the Edisto, which will also provide music for the movie. And of course, there's our friends Larry and Rose Price, who have just done their gorgeous coffee table book of pictures and, and prose about the Edisto itself. So we're, we're getting oh, a kind of multimedia blitz together here where hopefully we'll be able to expose different lenses of uh, looking at the Edisto and South Carolina's rivers in general from a bunch of different viewpoints. And, and certainly what you're doing fits right in there with that. Oh, that's very exciting. Um, I was talking to one of my artist uh, contributors from Georgia who's actually living in Portland, Maine right now, but um, he's got a wonderful painting of a man in the river holding vegetation. It's beautiful. Um, but he said, what about, what about movies? Um, who, who, who is making movies around there? And I, of course you are. Um, but and then I said, well, you know, Charleston has, there's some well-known people in Charleston do, that do movies. And then he said, um, he asked me about the tourist industry, um, and I thought I would ask you guys about that. I'm sure you um, know about that. Um, if they have a, a voice in this or have had a voice, I was they, wondering they about that. They have certainly been talked about a fair bit in all of this. Uh, you know, you were saying you were from Bamberg originally. Of course, our governor is from Bamberg, too. And well, we, yes, I meant to bring that up. <laughs> we, we had hoped that her ties to Bamberg and the Edisto might bring her into this issue in a positive way. Uh, thus far, exactly. Governor Haley, not, she's, she's not shown a lot of excitement about getting engaged with us on this. Yeah, um, truly. But uh, so, you know, slow and steady will hopefully win the race. Uh, once again, we find ourselves on the side with fewer resources, but hopefully more of us. Oh, I think it's it's very exciting. Um, there are times when I'm when when hope leaves me, probably at two o'clock in the morning. But then when I talk to to people like you, I get all fired up again. That there are really a lot of people. I'm so excited about the music, and you know there is the um, the bluegrass festival down here um have you do you guys go to that we've had two uh yeah actually one of our people who we've been featuring in the south carolina rivers forever videos is pinkney michael and pinkney was oh yes uh, pinkney yeah pinkney was one of the originators of the edisto mostly bluegrass festival so actually we were down there this year a little bit and shot some video yeah if you if you haven't uh, seen them yet carol go to um scriversforever.org and um, uh -huh. we've got several uh, YouTube videos out there that... Um, I know it. Okay, so I yeah. wasn't sure if you've seen they're them, but... They're incredible, and I'm passing them around to everybody I know, like all over the country, so you know, the word is definitely getting out um, because they're fabulous, fabulous videos. Um, thank so, you very much. Thank you for that, guys. Hey, Carol, we just kind of jumped right into talking about your book project. Can we circle back, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, that sort of biographical information we didn't get? Well, I am, my yes, my name is Carol Bass. I grew up in um, 
Bamberg. Uh, my my maiden name was Rode, R-H-O-A-D. I had some relatives that were infamous and famous in the um, the legislature in South Carolina. Um, and um, I went to Georgia, majored in fine art. Um, then I went up to Maine and, and um, did a lot of all of my first part of my life up there. And then uh, couldn't stand the cold anymore. Um, so came down here to Edisto, where, where I spent a lot of my uh, summers down here on the beach and on the rivers. And um, so we built we built our own house down here on the island, uh, physically, with our own hands. And um, we're almost through with it, which we won't be for years and years. That never gets through. But that's where we are. And I'm, I, I, I'm thinking that if I, I had, had, if I had explored the rivers as a child, like you probably did, um, I might have never left South Carolina because the, just the beauty of this state is just overwhelming. It just is something that is just, it just is hard to talk about. It's so beautiful. Um, so I'm just so happy to be back here. And um, so I, you know, I had a business. I had all my children up in Maine, and I thought they'd never leave Maine, but now they're all over the place, all over the country, too. So it really doesn't matter. I can be anywhere. But um, I just love it, and I love the resources, the human resources down here. Um, and so that's that's my thing is the compassion. I question um, some of the people in our some – of, some of our leaders are – I just wonder where the – where their compassion <laughs> um, you know I know we have to we have to have jobs and all of that, but I'm just wondering about the other side of it um so I don't know that's about all I can tell you about me <laughs> um, and so uh well tell i guess um so now you're you're at Edisto and um maybe. Tell us a little bit more about where you are in this project of the book. I'm kind of interested in, you know, you said you've contacted some uh, writers and artists and so forth. Just maybe walk us through where you're at in that process and what happens next. Right now, I am con contacting um, UGA Press, South Carolina Press. I have a proposal into um, uh, the Post and Courier, and I have a proposal in the Hub City. So I am actually kind of waiting for somebody to say, okay, we'll publish this. It's all ready. It's just I have to gather the papers together and put them in order. I have all of the things I need for the book. Um, I have um, I have Betty Anglin-Smith, who, who paints down here, uh, and I have her beautiful artwork. I have um, Jonathan Green has donated um, a piece of his river it, it's you know somebody on the river um, which is incredible um, so I have just some wonderful some wonderful artwork for the book so I have everything for the book it's now a waiting game it's now and I'm <clears throat> I'm kind of pushing the publishers because I want the book to be published as quickly as possible um, because I think time is of the essence um, so that's where I am. I'm waiting and um, calling them to see how things are going. I'm being very pushy in that respect. 
Um, so, it, yeah, I do have everything for the publication. I have the cover. I think I sent you a cover of the book. Um, but it's called, it, it, at first it was called Edisto Rising. But then I wanted it to be more universal, and so now it's Our Sacred Rivers is the name of the book. Because um, I wanted it to be a book for all of the rivers in South Carolina. And I think it's going to be dedicated to all of the rivers in South Carolina and to all the people who lived before us who, you know, took care on the river. Well, my great, great, great-grandfather was in the Civil War, and I saw um, a notice from his uh, funeral service, and it said, um, Nathaniel John Road crosses over the river. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the right thing for me to be doing right now. I just thought that was such a beautiful thing that people all along have been going to the river. Um, so we just need to take care of our rivers. So there's Carol Bass. We sure appreciate her taking the time to talk to us and uh, the work that she's doing on behalf of South Carolina rivers and the just, you know, the energy and, and, and the artistic sensibility that she brings to uh, what really doesn't at first glance seem like a real artistic thing, which is surface water withdrawal law. That's right. But, um, you know, this book that she's putting together, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Cause, um, I, and I'll put links to all her websites. She's got several sites out there and beautiful photographs, beautiful poems about water and rivers and outdoors and stuff. A lot um, of good stuff. One of the things that Carol also did was when she came to the Rivers Lobby Day on the 14th over at the State House, she brought a number of signed prints of her Edisto Rising image that she created. It's beautiful, um, very evocative of the Edisto, and uh, she gave one to me, so it's hanging proudly on the wall in my office now. Very nice. If you'd have come to Ed Rivers Lobby Day, you could have had one too, Tom. Yep. <laughs> I think she's holding one for you, actually. Good. So anyway, we do thank Carol for uh, taking the time to talk to us on the podcast. And as her book project goes forward, I'm sure we'll be talking about that again, letting people know where they can get a copy when it is uh, finally published. And as a closing note today, Tom, let's talk a bit about the details are still going to be confirmed. But as a result of that parliamentary move that Representative Smith announced at Rivers Lobby Day back on the 14th. He has formally now requested a committee hearing on his bill, and we do expect a hearing date to be confirmed soon. As soon as we have a definite date and time, we will be spreading the word. We're inviting anyone who has an interest in this issue to attend. Make clear to our legislators by your presence how important this issue is. Apparently, we're going to be scheduled into the first week of May is the most recent thing I've heard. Maybe May 6th, it's looking like. And we will be confirming the date and the time and location information as soon as we get it uh, on our various websites, uh, we'll have it on South Carolina Rivers Forever, and we'll get it up on our various partner organization websites too. Um, legislators in the House have now receiving or are now receiving a lot of stuff motivated by uh, Farm Bureau's opposition to this. Farm Bureau has been generating a lot of uh, false information. I was going. I was. I was going to say. <laughs> Um, letters uh, generated from their uh, 
spin site, for lack of a yeah. more polite term. And, and so if if we're going to play this game of we got X many letters, how many did you get? Yeah. Now's the time Apparently for... Apparently they, they, they do still play that game, so... Yeah, go ahead and send a letter, right? email, and, phone call, whatever, and everything. It, and if you're listening to this and you're wondering how to do that, we'll provide some links in the show notes. But you can go to SouthCarolinaRiversForever.org. You can go to Friends of the Edisto's website at EdistoFriends. Is that .org? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah EdistoFriends.org. Edisto sure. And then we've got the American Rivers Most Endangered Rivers page for the Edisto and we'll provide a link for that. The State House website has tools where you can find your legislator, contact your legislator, or send a form email directly to the House Ag Committee, which is where this hearing is going to be um, put right. on. Uh, if if you're out there and you care about this and you want to let your legislators know that you care about this in a way that's going to make a difference, now's the time. That's Follow right. those links. Do those things. And uh, make your voice heard. Play a role in helping to keep our rivers safe. All right. All right, Tom, I think that's it for episode 31. Anything you want to add before we move on? Nope. All right, folks, we appreciate your listening. We'll be back with a brand new episode of the Edisto TV podcast in two weeks on May the 8th. And thanks again. Bye-bye. This is the Edisto TV podcast, produced by Edisto TV, connecting the Blackwater region.